You are now listening to the Millennial Travel Podcast with Matt Wilson. Podcast listeners, we are back. I am thrilled to bring you another episode of the Millennial Travel Podcast. But first, I wanted to express my sincere gratitude for everyone who came out through this entire Black Friday week, Cyber Monday, heck, Thanksgiving, even my birthday. (laughs) There is a reason that I had a little trouble getting this podcast out this week, Uh, and that is because we were slammed with Black Friday sales. They're under 30 experiences. Our travel company for young people ages 21 to 35, you guys came out on small business. Saturday, the whole week, we were just overwhelmed uh, and overwhelmed with gratitude that there was so much support, so much enthusiasm for what we do as a community and travel will be back for 2021. We are just thrilled uh, and yeah, a lot of positivity, a lot of good vibes uh, being sent through the travel industry and really just goes to show that Travel is a lifestyle. Uh, It is certainly a privilege, as we've all come to find out. And uh, it's something that people really, it almost goes beyond a want. It's really, there is an innate need by many people to get out there and travel, uh, of course, when it's safe, et cetera, et cetera. But I just want to say thank you for everybody who came out came out and supported us through the sale and booked something fun, did something for themselves. Uh, 2020 has been a hell of a year and 2021, we're looking up, especially with these vaccine announcements. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot to be grateful for this Thanksgiving. So without further ado, please listen in to this episode with really cool guy who started an awesome website, Couchsurfing. Check it out, couchsurfing.com. If you don't know about it, great place for solo travelers, great way to meet people. This is not a commercial. It's, uh, <laughs> this site does not need me to talk about it because it's an awesome resource and uh, it is a huge community. So check it out. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm your host, Matt Wilson, and today I have the honor of speaking with none other than Casey Fenton. Casey is the founder of Couchsurfing as well as uh, Upstock, and his he was just explaining to me how the goal of Upstock is to bring Fortune 1000 equity to everyone, to much smaller companies. I just watched his TEDx talk on how to live a thousand lives, and mm-hmm. I think uh, Freedom X Fest in the Pyrenees of Spain deserves a nice shout out because that is where we met where i saw his presentation on ego hacking so without further ado casey welcome thank you so much matt i appreciate you having you having me on the show uh it was nice to meet you um in the pyrenees of course and uh what is so exciting to me about your show is about just personal development i love personal development more than anything in my life i'm obsessed with it Uh, i want to it's one of the things that i always try to these days i'm my companies always have to do with some form of you know, improving yourself um, uh, of the individual or improving, you know, the the group, the group cohesion. So 
uh, yeah, so it's exciting to be on your your podcast. Thank you. You're you're very welcome. And uh, we were chat we were chatting beforehand. Well, about a whole bunch of stuff, but yeah. uh, also just that. Well, you, you mentioned personal development has always been a big theme in your life, and we both Indeed. have uh, stories that have to do with Iceland that yeah. ended up being uh, kind of the impetus for both of us starting our, our business and, and travel businesses at that. So I would love if you'd take me back to Iceland. Sure. All right. So we're going way back. We're going way back to the year 2000. Wow. Uh, or, uh, yeah. Whoa. Uh, I was 15 years you. old, Casey. I know. I, I was, I was, I, what was I, I like 20 then? Uh, you know, now I'm an old geezer, 40 years old, feel like a granddaddy <laughs> of the internet. Uh, anyway, there we are back in, back in working out of um, one of my first startups. And we were, I was working in New Hampshire and I got a cheap ticket to Iceland. I had the idea for, for this, this idea for couch surfing, but I had never tried it. So I thought I'd, I wanted to do a minimal viable product, the MVP, right? As it's known. So I thought, I could go stay with somebody on a couch in Iceland. It's so expensive there anyway, and maybe they, somebody would host me. I emailed a few random people online, no response, crickets. Then I stumbled across the University of Iceland student directory in which you could type a name if you knew the name of a student and get their email address. So uh-huh. I, I probably typed the only Icelandic name I knew, Bjork. So I typed Bjork in, and up came some Bjork Stevens daughters and Jacob's daughters and whatever. The last name is the first name of the dad. So I said, oh, okay, I see how it works here. Interesting, it's a little interesting cultural thing. So I just started typing in different names that I would encounter there and like take the last name and put it into the first name. And then I get more and more and more, 1,500 uh, names and email address extracted, put in a database, and I wrote a mail merge uh, in PHP to email them all, spam them all, hey, can I stay on your couch? And basically what I sent them was my couch surfing profile. You know, here's Casey, I'm Casey, here's a picture of me. Here's my website. Here's my personal philosophy. Can I stay with you? What would we do if I did? Um, thanks, Bjorn. Uh, Casey, uh, send. You know, about 10 minutes later, boom, everybody's spammed. And, uh, and not 24 hours later, between 50 and 100 people saying, yeah, sure, come stay on my couch. We'll drink vodka under the stars with my grandfather's, you know, remote house or something. Okay. And now I had the opposite problem. Who do I stay with? Uh, and so I had to make a decision. I went and stayed with some really cool people. I was super shy though, so it was really hard hanging out with these people that seemed so cool, and I was just not so cool. <laughs> so I just followed them around quietly, and just started, you know, took took notes so to speak. And I got in the plane thinking, I this is how I want to travel every time. And and so now I'm I'm even launching my new company in Iceland. So I love Iceland. It's one of my places in the world near and dear to me. And I think last year I went there like four times. I'm going to go there again next week. So wow. Uh, Love Iceland. That's so, great. Over to <laughs> no, and and you're starting. Uh, we might jump around chronologically, but you're starting your new company in Iceland. I, I know a lot of people over there in the Icelandic startup scene. Uh, yeah. Are you partnered with anybody or have investors yeah. over there by any chance? Yeah, I do. I have a couple of uh, investment, uh, a couple of investors. Uh, some of the p- folks that r- maybe run some of the airlines there, let's say, and uh, some of the folks that are just really, they're really good people. They have been involved in banking there for a long time. Um, also, uh, you know, we're, I'm going to be mentoring at Icelandic startups, uh, their, their, um, their uh, tourism, startup tourism, rather. And I know Ingi, if you know Ingi, he's a great guy. I love that guy so much. Uh, from a start, start, start. He's, a, he's actually the one that got me to go back recently. I was speaking there about a little less than a year ago. 
Uh, and I just keep going back now because investors, because KPMG, we're partnered with KPMG there now. They've converted our documents, our legal documents, into Icelandic um, form. Wow, so okay. it's, yeah, we're ready to go there. It's one of the first countries outside of the U.S. that we've been launching, to launch it to get the documents done. Oh, that's so. cool. Uh, Ingi, yeah, I think, well, yeah. there are several. <laughs> Iceland is a small place. Everybody yeah. has the same name. The name. guys who name uh, whose name pops out uh, in my head first because it's one of those repeated names, Christian Christensen. He's like a, a well-known uh -huh. guy in the... I'm thinking about Ingi Sigurdsson, Ingi Bjorn Sigurdsson. He st he started like a Craigslist of uh, of Iceland. Is that correct? Um, Ingi, uh, well, a lot of my friends know him. I always hang out with him when I go there. He uh, he basically um, works with Startup Iceland, and ev just everybody okay. knows him as a startup guy. So and, and Bala, he's an he's an Indian uh, Bala Bala Indian American, yeah. Bala times, yeah. Cool. That's yeah. really funny. Yeah, I should check our, our mutual friends on Facebook. On My girlfriend Facebook. just got, got to hang out with Bala again. It, it's a slush. So Bala, he's everywhere. Sure. It's always good to see, hang out with him. I love his smile. Yeah, he, he's a really nice guy. So Bala actually was one of the guys who... I met on my very first trip to Iceland and convinced mm -hmm. me to come back. We ended up partnering uh, for the Startup Iceland conference, and I brought mm -hmm. a bunch of the speakers and uh, the entrepreneurs on our very first trip with under yeah. 30 experiences. So that's really funny. Awesome. Cool to see it uh, come cool. come for full circle. But let's go back in time. Uh, first of all, I've heard some details of the story. Maybe it was Wikipedia. I don't know where I, I, I read, uh, but there were models and R&B singers in, uh, potentially involved in your first trip to Iceland. That's right. So, yeah. So my the, the Couchsurfing host, um, or the sorry, this is before Couchsurfing. So my, my host, who I agreed to go stay with, she seems super cool. She was like uh, an R&B singer. Everybody knew her. Uh, and she opened for the Fugees, and I thought uh, this would be a very interesting person to hang out with. And so I just, uh, it just, she seemed so friendly. She seemed like she would introduce me to a lot of people, and it seemed like it was outside of my comfort zone as well, which was part of what kind of couch surfing is about. I would normally want to hang out with introverted people and talk about computers or something. So I was like, this is going to be so difficult for me, but I want to try out what it's like to stay with somebody totally different. So uh, I got to stay with her and uh, and follow her friends around. They were all models. And, of course, that was very intimidating for me. So I just uh, – I was very quiet. But we got to – we had all these adventures. We kind of stuck onto the U.S. military base because they really wanted to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken, for instance. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, just really, really weird weird things that I, that I would take for granted. I think are stupid. I'm vegetarian anyway. But <laughs> they love. So I was like, great. We'll do what you want. So – Wow. Okay. That's, uh, that's really funny. So then you had your, uh, your MVP, your minimum viable product, or yep. at least you had your proof of concept there that, yeah, yes. people will open their doors. For yeah. 7% of people say yes. When I email them randomly as a stranger with the right profile and say, come stay on my couch. And, and there you have it. So you uh, built a, so you built a website. Uh, did you, how'd you pick the name couch surfing? Yeah. Give me some of the early details. I think that sure, would be interesting. Sure. Um, just I came up with the word couchsurfing. I, it, it was in, it was like, it had been said before. There's a brand van song about couchsurfing a little bit. Um, so it was very, very little bit known, but not really in common parlance or common vernacular. 
And so I just, I heard that word and I, and I already knew that that's what I wanted to do. And I'm like, that's it. That is what we're talking about. It's, it just sounds, sounds great. It sounds controversial too. Uh, you're staying on someone's couch. I mean, it could have been like, you know, extra rooming or something. And that sounds nicer and sounds easier, but it's really about this, this lifestyle. And so controversy really helped couch surfing take off. What? You're staying on a stranger's couch? Well, what do I think about that? I don't know, but I need to write about it every year for the next three years in this newspaper, right? Sure. Uh, it just, it helped spread the word. It helped people want to talk about it and share it and be like, because it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like, you could, it's a verb. It's a, it can be like a, um, you, you can be like an adjective. It can be like, I'm couch surfing. I'm a couch surfer. It's just, it, you can use the word in, in it, and it starts to stitch its way into the, the, your language. So when you're starting a company, it's good to think about how could this word be used? Can I be a blank Er, sure. Or can uh, can I blank as an activity? Not in some words that you, when you can do that, they're really good words to use. Excellent. So, okay. Words the uh, yeah. That that's really cool. And uh, so, this mm -hmm. seemed like it really got you out of your comfort zone. Of course, this one experience. But then, did you personally? Uh, catch the travel bug, as they say, and decide that you wanted to travel like this oh, all yeah. the time. Yeah, tell, tell me. So maybe... even, even, even before that. Okay, so like I I was, you know, I always loved the idea of traveling, and I did a little bit in high school. One time I ran away from home with my girlfriend and whatever. We drove to Tennessee and stuff like that, so that was that was interesting. Uh, uh, mostly, but I just, what's funny is we took our homework with us because we were going to mail it back, right? So stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, we just always had the travel, travel bug, always wanted to explore, always an explorer. And I, you know, we, me and that girlfriend, we broke up and uh, it was a really hard breakup and I was super sad. I was crying for months about it. And I realized that just, I just started to buy plane tickets to random places and it just, travel started to mend my broken heart. Additionally, um, I was grew up in a small town of a thousand people, and I started studying the, the classic philosophers, uh, Hume, Descartes, Kant, and so on. And I started thinking about free will. I started thinking, wait, there's a good chance I don't have free will, or at least I don't have free will over everything. Maybe there's like exceptions, but a lot of the things I'm kind of born into some flow, some river that's moving, and it's hard to just decide. I can't decide. Oh, I'm going to just go over there. I don't even know where there is. What? What? What over there? Over where? Uh, I, I would. I don't even know what I don't know. I, I, my whole life is a blind spot. I just. I saw this when I was 15. So I said, I need to illuminate. I need to strike matches in a dark room and start to start to see what what is this room like. And so I uh, came up with this idea of intensity, diversity, and frequency of experience. Like how intense is the experience? How diverse is it? And how often is it happening? And then I could optimize my experiences and through that lens. Um, it's kind of a little scientific method, and that worked out well for me. And it really, and then also not necessarily believing that free will is just a given, made me think. Well, if I have to hack that, how do I hack that? Which turns into like this whole idea about hacking destiny. Um, so that was very early on. Lots of traveling, and then I knew that I wanted to do something like couchsurfing. And then it was, but I'd already been traveling. I already traveled to Egypt. I'd already climbed the pyramids. Uh, because of local people helping me I had all these crazy experiences because of locals so I knew that it was about staying with locals and staying in a hotel just it's boring I felt like a ghost sure sure yeah wow okay so 
Uh, so you're really uh, starting to get out of your comfort zone, uh, of course, uh, and this is something that we always encu- encourage our listeners to do, our travelers at under 30 experiences, etc. Uh, and everybody kind of understands the concept yeah. there. And so I'm curious what you learned about yourself as you mm-hmm. continued to uh, use your little uh, algorithm there, your your metrics, uh, what you yeah. started to learn about yourself. Oh, wow. Good question. So I started to learn that um, that I could be less shy. Okay. Uh, I was one of the shyest people I knew. And by practicing with every time I stay with somebody new, I could practice being a new version of myself. I could practice being maybe a little more outgoing, trying a different joke out, whatever, anything. And as I would start to get better at it, I start to get more practice. I started to become kind of cool. Like I look at myself, like I'm kind of cool, <laughs> a little bit, you know. And I, I just, think you're cool, Casey. Oh, thank you, thank you so much. I I started to think like maybe people do like me. Maybe like the idea of walking up to somebody on the street and talking to them like used to seem like the scariest. I mean, like what, what license do I have? I'm probably interrupting them. I I don't want to interrupt their day. I mean, who am I? Then to think. Actually, people do want to meet other people, and they that you're, I'm giving them an opportunity to meet someone and maybe learn something. I mean, the worst they say is no. Okay, I'll go away now. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and so, so you that, were able. Yeah, you were maybe able to meet people online where then you had some permission to be able to hang out with them. So I was provided a big amount of permission. It was like an opt-in, so I knew that people wanted to meet and hang out. So that was good. Um, other things that I learned about. Um, you know, I, I worked in politics right when I was working on Caltraffic, and I used to think that the world is like kind of like computer code. Uh, it's just all a bunch of gears turning, and it just there's certain raw, rules and laws, and that's it. But working in um, in the state legislature, I learned that it's people and their preferences. It's really that's all it is. People people open doors. Doors can be kind of virtual, or can be you know they're not real doors, or they're literally real doors. And they, they decide whether they like you or not to open the door. So that was just kind of blew my mind. I'm like, wow, it's, it's not so much about learning the, what's right about the world or the right way of thinking. It's about learning how to interconnect with other people. It's about learning about appreciation of diversity. It's about learning how to ha- have multiple conflicting ideas in my mind at the same time and not have to make one be right. That was a big revelation for me. So kind of diversity mindset so that I can connect with other people and appreciate really what they're saying. But even if I, my, my, my experience in life hasn't said that that's the way it is, that's fine. They have a different perspective. Let's appreciate that. So that was really, really big lesson for me. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, where, where else did you travel? Mm. And uh, maybe could you give us some examples of how you learned about maybe it was a culture entirely different than yours, but maybe you had some commonalities? Yeah, tell me more about your travels. Sure. Uh, I think it was traveling, uh, allowed, uh, traveling allowed me to travel longer when I was couch surfing because instead of um, uh, having to, you, you don't have to pay as much to stay somewhere so you can travel longer, you don't deplete your bank account. And then you're staying with other people, and they're a lot, they're way more different than you are. And it's much easier to accept somebody when they're different. In some ways, the more different they are, the more you can accept them. It's different than somebody who's kind of similar to you, the more it's, it's easier it is to judge them, to judge the minutiae of your differences. 
right? It's just, it's not always like that. And certain types of differences can be easier to judge. But generally, especially for people that see themselves as open-minded, the, the more different they are, they're like, oh, it's, it's like I'm reading National Geographic and look at those people. They're so different. And isn't that cute? Uh, it's not real. You're not emotionally invested in those people. But the people that are so close to you, you're emotionally invested in, that's where the, some of the hardest and most challenging acceptance comes in. So seeing the differences where I'd go and be watching myself be like, oh, isn't that interesting? Isn't that great that those people have those differences? But then watching myself struggle with the people at home that I have day-to-day relationships with, it really struck me. I thought, huh, why is it? Why, why am I judging these people so harshly? And so I remember walking on a beach, Northern California, by myself, and it was a, it was a powerful, it was just a really intense, intense sunny day, and the big surf, big waves coming in, and I saw these little sandpipers, and they were scurrying in the waves, you know, as, as you see when you walk on a beach. And I thought those sandpipers are going to die. Uh, they are the waves are just crushing in, and. Uh, some were like right on the edge of the wave they scurry back and back and forth and I started watching them and I realized some are staying close to the wave and some are staying far away from the wave and they're staying in their spot right they're not swirling around they're staying in their spot a bit more and I thought hmm that kind of looks like a bell curve that kind of looks like a lot like there's some kind of genetic dispersion or something I'm like wait a second I mean I mean of course that makes sense you might you know through genetics you're gonna have some birds that are a little more adventurous mm-hmm. maybe getting mm-hmm. some extra little tidbits of food in the in the waves but they might die but then you have those other ones that are holding back hanging back like and and then they're all saying this is the right place to be i feel it in my bones you other idiotic birds you're so stupid i can't believe you're over there near the wave that's a dumb dumb place to be or the other one in the waves like this is a great place to be i'm traveling i'm seeing great things and you're stupid over there just in your home hanging out right and so the the the, this diversity of of uh species maximizes survival and thriving and i thought oh my god i've done my whole life I've been kind of my whole life judging people, thinking my bias is like that's the right place. Clearly, as as I should, because that's what need, we need for survival. But I started to soften my heart a little bit and have more compassion for all the different ways of thinking and being in the world. And it really gave me that diversity mindset instead of just going around judging people all the time. That's great. I wish those little sandpipers would be more kind to the you know the pelicans right. who have a different way uh, of right. living. Right. Yeah, don't judge them, dude. To create a more sustainable beach, that would be nice. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the beach would be a more inclusive place. Yeah, place, totally. Interesting. Absolutely. And so, okay, so you started to learn more things about your yourself. You're obviously a very deep thinker. Uh, you, you've you read some, right. yeah, you, you've read some philosophy. And, yeah. yeah. And then you started, I mean, what brought you down the path of trying to hack your ego, which seems right. like is, is really your, your main focus now, or at least helping other people do that. Cool. That's a cool question. So it was, I mean, it was a lot of things. I mean, it was trials and tribulations and struggles and failures and successes and people treating me in a certain way I didn't like, and then wondering what the hell is going on. Um, and then uh, reading a, a, lot, a book called In Search of the Miraculous by um, P.D. Spensky. It was about Gurdjieff, uh, you know, about 100 years ago or so. And, and, and this, this idea of he's a mystic. He went around to all the mystic schools and brought back a bunch of the ideas and taught, taught it in um, Russia, Europe, and then eventually the U.S. But the point, the, the point, one of his teachings that really just stood out was this idea of remembering yourself, that we're going through life asleep. We're not aware of ourselves. So that really just made me suddenly like notice my existence. I felt like before that I was just going through life not really noticing. So I really got into 
trying to understand myself and how I interact with other people. And then I got into kind of early on, I got into a tit for tat downward spiral competition with one of my best friends. That was really hard. It caused fallout in our relationship and I never really understood why. And I was always wondering how to see that. Uh, and then later on I was with somebody I was working with. And of course, again, tit for tat, this downward spiral of like, I'm right, I'm right, you're right, who's right, right? And we see this every day in our lives. And then I started, I worked on a company called Wonder, a 360 feedback on life's most important questions. Average and anonymous, you can discover what other people feel about you. So I really started to think about giving feedback. And I started studying positive psychology. And then in positive psychology, they have this idea that uh, there's a feedback ratio. Like there's positive and negative in, inputs in our life. And with this feedback ratio, we, we sense whether we're okay or whether life is okay or good. And if we have a one-to-one -one feedback ratio, one positive, one negative, life feels horrible. We want to get we're depressed. We want to take action. We want you know, drugs and alcohol to cover it up. Um, we might want uh, you know make a story about how it's not me, it's you, or just avoid. And so that one-to-one, that -one, John Gottman studied that over thousands of couples over many, many years, a 95% chance of divorce within a year. So I started thinking, oh my God, it's this feedback ratio thing. So that really started getting me on this, like researching everything I could on ego and identity, what's going on. And, and I started hearing about this, this ego ledger where we're constantly like everywhere we go in life, we're just adding up the positive and the negative and then that's how we feel about it. And then I started thinking about how it's so weird how we identify with things that are outside of us. Like if I said to you, I like you, you know, you remember that. If I, but if I said, I don't like your microphone right there, that's a horrible microphone. That's what, what a stupid, what a stupid microphone. If you own that microphone, you might think I'm saying that about you. You might be thinking I just said you are a bad person, but I didn't. I just said something about the microphone, something you've identified with. So somewhere along the line, we started doing external identification. I thought that's really weird and interesting and cool. And I started thinking, wow, it seems like modern society is built on this external identification. If we didn't have that feature, as part of who we are in our in our genetics, we wouldn't have modern society. It wouldn't exist. I thought that's a feature for the for the for the sandpipers for the species. That's a feature for us, though. It sucks because it feels like a bug because we get tormented when somebody says they don't like something, um, and we think of then we think of ego as a bad thing. But really, ego is this great thing. Anyway, we could go into ego hacking. This is just a kind of the changes. This is how I started to really get into this kind of thought. And then I had a few breakthrough thoughts that I hadn't seen out there. Uh, and it, just like, and then trying it out with my friends. And it made such a big difference in our lives. It just blew me away. As this information needs to be out there, people need to have this information to um, maybe it can help. Wow, Casey. So there, there's so many interesting things that we could unpack from what oh you God. just said. Uh, so, so I could add, I, let me add one thing. If people want to follow along, they could go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash ego hack, bit.ly slash ego hack, B-I-T dot L-Y. Uh, and there they can see my deck that I, the slide deck that I do when I talk around the world for last year. And they can kind of follow along with some of the things we're saying or just check it out in their own. Okay, excellent. And I'm going to link this up uh, both on under30ceo.com, mm -hmm. our blog for entrepreneurs, yep. and 
under30experiences.com, our uh, blog for travelers. So whatever your interest is, if you're listening, either one of those places uh, will have this uh, material and we'll try to link up some of the books that you've referenced and, and stuff like that in, in the show notes. Uh, Casey, I wanted to ask you about, you know, you, you may have heard people uh, and, and mystics or philosophers rather saying uh, that mm. the ego is kind of your roadmap for going throughout the world uh, here on this physical plane. And there is certainly a use for that feature, as you kind of said in programmer speak, that mm. I have attachment and identity with this microphone that you're making fun of and yeah it's a like, great microphone by yeah. the way I actually like it. it's pretty spiffy you you, I, you make fun yeah. of my microphone though and and i feel oh, bad I like, about it right but i actually like that microphone i was just making up uh fake criticisms yeah of course of course but yeah. why it you could you uh could you tell people why we have that attachment or why yeah. maybe speculate on why that is an important part of life. Because if we walk around sure. just egoless, uh, we're going to lose our roadmap, don't you think? I think so. I think a life without ego is a boring life, in fact. Like you consider the alternative, like I think there's a lot of uh, traditions that are trying to, uh, you know, non-attachment and all that. I think, I mean, that if you don't want to suffer at all and you want to have a life of perfect, great. Just try to not suffer. If you want to have a life of interesting and meaning, please do suffer. I think suffering is the great thing in life. It's the real thing that makes us human. The, the difference between the ups and the downs is the meaning. So I read a great book called um, in, uh, The Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect, and it was about a singu singularity, uh, post-technology, post-singularity, uh, uh, sing post simulation, um, kind of kind of book in where a computer could teleport matter anywhere in the world, and it, it was just here to help us humans. Now you want your own Jerusalem? Great, we'll make you a copy of it. Whatever you want, doesn't matter. You can't die. So it, it just really dumbed down the what are we trying to do as humans? We're trying to rearrange matter around us to survive and do thrive and do whatever we want. So now it's like great, we can do that at any level. If everything's teleported any second, whatever you want done, can't die. So what do you do then? You have no meaning. People start playing these death games and do just weird stuff to pass their time, and it just showed me like wow, the benefit of humanness is the struggle that's what being human is so every time after i read that book every time i'd be struggling something sucks i'd be like i'm getting my money's worth i'd kind of be smiling to myself i'm getting my money's worth right don't forget that so it kind of gave me kind of some compassion for myself and other people uh but then also i think that that you know that the same the struggle is this beautiful thing but you get getting back to your question about the ego uh if we didn't have the ego attaching us to random shit, right? I mean, the ego basically, if I, if I go and I, let me back up for a second. Where did it come from, right? Where did it come from? I think that, let's say millions of years ago, we probably at some point started to keep track of like what things were positive, you know, what things are negative. Like, oh, over there, some food is positive. This person I'm talking to right here, you know, uh, Matt, he's, uh, he's giving me some smiles. Uh, it's positive, right? Uh, over there, I talked to the guy down the street, and he was yelling about a trash can. Um, I don't know, bad over there. That's bad, <laughs> right? Then at some point, it got a little more complex. Somewhere along the line, there was some weird mutation, maybe, where I started to not only just a, a catalog and identify, okay, that's good or that's bad. Probably still had the feedback ratio of go more towards the things that are good and away from the things that are bad. But then we started to cross-link uh, external objects, 
you have a feather. They're like, oh, I really like this feather. It's really beautiful. And somebody comes up and is like, ooh, feather bad. And you're like, eh, you just said I'm bad. Somewhere along the line that happened, it seems like. Sure. So I think that's where it comes from. And the benefit to society or to humans is that it causes diversity. You don't like my feather? I'm going to go away from here. I mean, normally I just move around for basic needs like, you know, food, shelter, you know, food, air, water, whatever. Maybe then we got to see more more mammalian human needs that were like uh, human connection, right? We have those basic needs. But then suddenly, instead of being just human connections, which is kind of software-based, uh, it's a bit harder to base because you have to have that human connection, you have to have that touch. Now suddenly we have a new need called identity or you know, just feeling good about yourself. All the things that are in the, the all the if you add up all the things that you identify with, and you're feeling good about them, you have a good a good ego, good ego feeling. You know, positive ego, right? If you're if you're feeling bad about them, that's negative. And you can do that in any context. You can say, okay, at my school I feel good, and at work I feel bad. So you can do it in context too. And so, this is uh, what causes diversity. Uh, I don't, you, you just told me you don't like the kind of house I have. Well, I'm leaving. I'm going to cross the land bridge and go to North America. See ya. Right. So you have people moving and scattering around and interacting for really weird reasons, like random, anything software based. It's not no longer does the food exist. It's you said some community, you communicated to me some symbols and I'm leaving or I'm going to kill you or whatever. So diversity is a great strategy for survival, as we know. The more diversity you have, the more strategies for survival you try. Modern society built on diversity, built on trying different permutations. That's where it comes from, is my, my take. Okay, that, that, that's really interesting. And of course, so much stress and so much suffering mm -hmm. comes because of our attachment and uh, attachment and identification with things outside of ourselves and that yeah. we can't quite recognize or say, oh, wait a second, it's it's just a microphone, dude, don't, don't get so right. upset yeah. about it. But we kind of have this uh, right. mammalian reflex. By the somewhere. way, I love the quality that, 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 that telephone booth you're in with the boards and the angles. I like the way you set up the camera. Oh, thank That's you. Great, you did a great job there. I really like it. I, I like the way you're smiling right now. Uh, thank you. I, I'm, oh. I'm happy that you're reinforcing the positivity to get that ratio back in, ratio the, in the favor. In, in the favor of positive or negative things about anybody. So it's the ratio, stupid, right? As they like to say, it's like, keep that, you know, we, we get in these tit for tat downward spirals all the time. The stupid example I like to give is like, you know, you've got roommates, you've got a partner, whatever. The roommate's like, you didn't take out the trash last night. And you're, what, how are you going to respond, right? If your ratio is low, well, you're, you've got it's physical pain when your ratio is low. It's straight into your amygdala. And your amygdala feels pain. And if this person says you didn't take out the trash, it's going make, to make it lower. It's going to make your feedback ratio get lower. Your ego debt get lower. It's going to feel bad. So what do you do in that case? Huh, you didn't buy the trash bags. It's your fault. And I'm like, well, you bounced a check last week. It's not my, you know, it goes around and around, whatever. It's stupid. Uh, but if you have a high enough feedback ratio, if, if you're above two to one, if you're like somewhere in the four to one range, you know, you have what's known as ego banking. And you can hear people accurately, whatever they're saying. So, hey, honey, you need to take out the trash. I'll say, oh, <laughs> it's totally space like What an idiot. You know, it doesn't matter. You've got a high enough feedback ratio. So the, the key, the trick, the hack is, you could say an infinite number of positive or negative things about anybody all the time. Whenever you notice something you appreciate, really reinforce that. Anything that's good, anything you think that they want, uh, maybe check in with them if you're not sure, 
reinforce that. Thank you. That's really great that you're you're thinking that. Um, I really appreciate you giving me that positive feedback. Thank you so much. You can do the thanks for thanking. So you reinforce. You can build up that positive banking so that when you need to say uh, the trash isn't out, no problem. It's, it's easy. It's not like a World War Three. Sure. And uh, the. The good old excuse me, but shit sandwich, sandwich. comes. Yeah. yeah, comes to mind. And if people haven't heard about it, you give a compliment, then you tell the yeah. person that piece of uh, mm-hmm. negative feedback that you needed to yeah. give, and then you try to compliment compliment yeah. that. At the end, uh, perhaps that ratio isn't strong enough. What do you think? Uh, I 100% agree. There's a reason why that wisdom exists. We laugh about it, but it's true. You know, it's it, we are biologically programmed to go toward the things that make us feel good and away from the things that make us feel bad. If the ratio is too weird, we get depressed and make a change. Hopefully, that's a healthy thing to do. If, if you're too low, you get depressed and make a change. Or what people do that's unhealthy is they create a story. Oh, it's not me, it's you. Uh, and that's the, the, the you, you rationalize the story. But the problem with creating stories is if they're not in keeping with what everybody else is experiencing or reality, let's say, you have reality debt. The more reality debt you have, you probably know people like this. You've experienced people with too much reality debt. They go around and people are just like looking at them like, what planet are you on? Um, and people are like, ah, nice, yes, uh, just go along with what you're saying, but let me get out of here. Uh, too much reality debt is dangerous. Um, you have, may have a day of reckoning and you can't see it because as the more it happens, the more people just avoid you and it just it becomes this really weird, weird hall of mirrors. So... Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I can totally uh, imagine. And and actually, I think we all know somebody, somebody out there who just doesn't quite is not quite in touch with reality or whatever. Mm-hmm. You try to reason with this person. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's someone you're in a relationship with. Maybe it's someone at work or yeah. probably a family member that, yeah. uh, you know, the holidays just holidays just passed. Well, you had yeah. to deal with them over the holidays or you see them when you go home. How do you suggest be, dealing with that person? Because sometimes sure. there's no reasoning. Yeah, it's, it's, it's counterintuitive, but what you're saying doesn't matter. Like your, your rationale is irrelevant. Uh, basically, this person may have low feedback ratio. They may have ego debt. And so their biology, they're, they're literally, they're having pain right now because of this ego debt. So if you're like, hey, let me rationalize with you. That basically sounds like, let me tell you why you're wrong. Don't you see the logic in my argument? Mm-hmm. Aren't, don't you? Don't you get it? And that person is suffering on two levels. They're gonna. They're they're really suffering at the emotional level. They're because the feedback ratio exists in the emotions. So what what you can do in that case is use emotional feedback and tell them what you care about, what you love, what you appreciate. Oh, I'm really so glad you're here today. Thank you so much for being here today. I can see that you really care about this work, this company, our relationship. Uh, I'm really thankful to spend time with you. Uh, I'm, I really, I'm a little bit nervous because it's, it's, uh, I want to be vulnerable with you, but I'm a little bit nervous about that, uh, to be honest, you know, uh, whatever is real and whatever can make them feel at ease emotionally. You want to use more emotional tonality, like emotional, like look on your face. The tone of your voice goes up and down, not like monotonous. I'm really glad you're here today. <laughs> Thank you very much for being here today. No, it doesn't work. That, that would be your neocortex communicating with their neocortex, and you can see it in this, this deck a little bit. These are multiple brains that are thinking completely separately, but they kind of interact a little bit. But if that ratio is low and you're using your intellect to try to reason with them, you're reasoning with their rational brain. But the rational brain 
then you're you're expecting the rational brain to talk to their emotions and say, oh, okay, here it is, emotions. But that doesn't work. We know this. It doesn't work. You need to connect directly with the emotional brain. But if the emotional brain has a feedback ratio that's too low, it's in pain. So it's not going to hear anything you're saying. It's going to completely just be like, no, no, <laughs> right? Sure. So if you say, oh, my God, I love this and I love that, I love this, the things you truly and authentically appreciate, and then you're like, hey, I really want to talk about this other thing. It's been a challenge for me. Watch what happens. People open up and hear you. That's the number. That's the way, in my experience, and way to reach people. Okay. And how about if you're a manager, uh, Casey, from your experience as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a, a CEO at times, I'll tell you that I know that my job is to point out when people aren't doing their jobs well or when they sure. can uh, where and point out where that they can improve because in my eyes, I'm there to make them do their job as effectively as sure. possible. You've got, you want to create great outcomes for the, the, the goal. Exactly. The, the, whatever. But and you've, you've got a passion for the pre people you care about and the, on the outcomes that we're all going to do create together. Yes. Right? So how yeah. do I just have to be paying attention to my ratio always as, as easy as that? Or, or what's been your experience? The, the simple answer is, yeah, pay attention to the ratio. If you, you give people a high enough ratio, they can actually hear what you're saying. Otherwise, there's lots more nuance. I mean, in your leadership style, is your leadership style commanding? Is it affiliative? Is it, you know, like democratic? Are you a coach? Are you visionary? Are you mixing those? Are you using those at the right time? But even through all of those, the ratio matters. It's the ratio stupid, I like to say. Uh, ratio matters more than anything. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, you didn't really get a chance to get into this too much, but you know, for, for social cohesion, people – here's the biggest ego hack there is. For social cohesion, people become what you tell them they are. So if you, whoever you – you're being programmed by other people and advertising every moment, and so am I. Because they're telling us who we are. Mm -hmm. uh, imagine a world where we're all born and we don't care about what other people think. That's a sociopath. We don't want to be in that world. We right. want everybody to care what other people think. We want them to be born being tormented by what other people think, wondering well, what are other people thinking about me. And that's a world where we all become what other people tell us we are. That's a world where we become the five people we spend time with. It's the same thing. It's really we become what those people tell us they want us to be, I believe. Wow. So, wow. so – if you want to change who you are, you're going to have a three times greater chance of changing yourself if you get your friends to tell you that you are already the person you want to be. You'll, your biology will instantly react and you will become that. And, and there's plenty of ways I can go and talk about the science of that. It works. It just really works. It's amazing how well it works. Uh, so what you can do is you can do it actively or passively. You can say um, – yeah, I, you can ask people who do you want to be, literally. And sometimes they'll tell you, this is who I don't want to be, and try to get out of them who they want to. What's the positive version of that? So that's a little harder, but get that positive version, and you can do that for yourself too. And then have other people tell you, hey, uh, I see you as this person. Uh, you, you said to me yesterday, you, you don't, you're not getting enough done, or you're not, you, know, you have anxiety or whatever. I don't see you. I see you as cool, calm, and collected. I see you getting shit done every time, all the day. In fact, here's some evidence of that. I was impressed by that. You're doing it. That's you. right? Instead of... I could come to you and say, oh, I heard that you don't, you know, you're feeling a little anxious and depressed. And then you're like, then I'm like, oh, why is that? Now I'm asking you to invent more reasons why you're anxious and depressed. It doesn't work very well. You're just, just, just it digs you deeper. It's, in fact, it's better to, for me to say, get, get, why are you not anxious? Why are you cool, calm, and collected? And tell me reasons why you're cool, calm, and collected. In fact, this is what I saw. I see you as cool, calm, and collected. 
or at least I see you as becoming Cool Common Collective. The reason it, I can explain the reason it works real short because we don't have a lot of time left. But the reason it works is identity is like a snowball. If if whatever you have in your identity, your pattern matching machine, your neural network, it will find more of that. Whatever is in our environment, the things that match our identity come to the surface more than anything else. Uh, that's that's normal. That's good. Things in our identity, they pop into our awareness. Oh, I like Saab automobiles. Everybody go see Saab, Saab, Saab. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah, that, so, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I wanted to ask you about self-talk because everyone looks in the mirror yeah. and says, oh, maybe I don't really like this uh, little couple extra pounds around my waist. Or, right. oh, I got a wrinkle coming. But how mm -hmm. can you improve that ratio for yourself? Great, great question. So, so where it comes to self-talk, you can you can be talk, talking to yourself in a couple of different ways. Because you can use a stick. Oh my god, I don't like that wrinkle. What's going on there? Uh, like uh, bad. You should start. You should work out more. You know, that doesn't work as well because you're basically reaffirming that's who you are. You're somebody with wrinkles. So you have those wrinkles. That's you're gonna look everywhere you go in the environment. You're gonna look and find that. And it's gonna be a lot harder. It's not gonna be as resilient. You can, you know, when you've got strength, you can use that a little bit and you can get some distance with it. But if times get tough, you'll fall, it, it, it'll fall apart. So that's not a very, that's not a very great method. What's stronger is you're somebody who loves to exercise. You're somebody who loves exercise and loves being outside. You're somebody who loves thinking about different health techniques. Look at you. You're look at, and look at, cause whenever, when you say that, you're going to find all the evidence of that being true. If you say, you're somebody who is fat and wrinkly. Well, you're just going to find evidence of that being true. It snowballs. So let's get, let's call it one unit of effectiveness for when you self, when you have self-talk. It's more units of effectiveness. Let's call it two units of effectiveness if you talk and say it in front of other people. It's much more if you it's even greater. Let's say four, five, three, four, five, six units of effectiveness if somebody else tells you that that's who you are. You're somebody who loves health. Look at you cutting up carrots. It's great, you know. Uh, you're somebody who loves being outside. You just got back from a run. Look at you, great. You know, I could say nothing, but when they walk in the door, smile. They're great. You're somebody who goes for a run. You're talking to the limbic system, not good job on the run. Good job on the run. Way different. Two different systems you're talking to, right? And, so, and, yeah, that make that makes so much sense, especially, yeah. you know, if you have a partner or a coworker who you really like it when they do something well then yeah. if you really compliment them then they may continue to do that because that is direct positive feedback that's great casey oh i love like even if i'm not quite sure i think that this is where somebody's going with it i might even just say i see wow i think i see you as somebody i, I think i'm pretty sure i see you as somebody who's really loves exercise and is just like super positive about like eating good and all this stuff um i noticed this you're cutting up carrots and you went on a run the other day is that true are you that person and then nine times out of ten they're gonna say yeah that's absolutely true you you know me you got me and i'm like i thought so i wasn't sure but i'm checking sure and i like when you gave the example um at first you said oh tell me why you're not anxious and depressed or whatever you said but then you then you skip that out because your brain actually just skips over the not as i understand and goes to anxious mm -hmm. and depressed and you you actually yeah. said oh tell me why you're so calm cool and collective and that yes, seems to be exactly. so much more effective it's so clear because it's hard, it's easy it's hard to find where you want to go it's, it's you know if you say i'm not i'm not anxious and depressed i mean then you got to look for the patterns in your life that are anxious and depressed and then avoid them 
right? Rather than looking for the patterns that will come and collect it. So it's better to give someone that identity that's a positive identity because then they're going to get where they want to go is being cool, calm, and collected. You can't get there by being not depressed. It doesn't work. Right. Because all you're right. doing is just avoiding depression, whatever that is. That's way different than being cool, calm, and collected. And Casey, yeah. before I let you go, I did want to ask you mm-hmm. about something that is so imperative if you were going to use these techniques. Mm-hmm. And that's trust. And I know this is a big topic of yours. It's big, mm-hmm. of course, in the tech world with mm-hmm. Facebook and the, our privacy and our data and, and not tr- – it's, it's big in business, but it's also very big for just uh, trusting yourself and gaining trust with the people mm-hmm. around you who you are using these techniques with and, and trying to yep. be as genuine as possible. So what's your take on, on trust? Yeah, so especially for these techniques where we're, we're literally, I mean, some people, some people could call it manipulation. Like we're getting into people's egos and identities. That's, that's heavy stuff, right? Uh, and it has – it's powerful things just like anything that can actually have an effect. It's powerful, right? So I would like – the way I like to say it is it's ethical. You need to be ethical about it. Now, advertising is already doing this to us. So I think it's important that, to get the word out about how this works, what is – the ego. How does it work? How is it affecting us? Of course, people can use anything that's powerful for you know their own gain. Um, so what I would say is to know if you're doing it ethically is ask for permission. There's two ways to do it. I would say one is passive and one is active. Um, one, you if you're doing it in, an, in a passive way, I think you can be, be less permission seeking. It's like anytime someone says, "Wow, you went on a run," then you respond and say, "Yes, I did. Thank you for recognizing that." It really helps me so much when you recognize that because it makes gives me the energy to want to go on a run tomorrow. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that, right? Thanks for thanking. Then you're just looking for times in life when people are encouraging you in the direction you want to go. Thank you so much for recognizing that, right, emotionally. Thank you. So that's that's totally – I think that's really um, – that's very – it's a reasonable thing to do. I don't think that we're causing any, causing any moral problems there. Uh, it gets a little trickier when you start to tell people – Hey, I see you this way. So somebody could use this manipulation. I hope that people would never do that. Um, I'm sure people will, but hopefully they won't. But if we get the word out there enough about how this works, maybe that won't matter because people will recognize it. But so the way this works is you say, hey, there's this deck. I saw it. Casey told me about this deck. I think it might be interesting to try. Want to try it with me? Read the deck. Let's talk about it. Now let's do it. Now, in that case, you might be thinking, well, if everybody knows the trick, it doesn't work anymore. I mean, it's, now it's, the game's up. Not true. So as we've been talking about multiple brains, you've got the neocortex, you've got the limbic system. Now, so if I sit here and I say, even though you know it's fake, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna criticize your horrible blue shirt. I can't believe you're wearing a horrible blue shirt like that. It's, it's. I mean, the way that it's unbuttoned like that, I can't. And the way that it's curving over like that, your hair is in front. I don't. And I mean, really, is that what's this thing in the background over there? I'm not sure about that. And. I mean, green boards behind you, really? You're, you're, are you putting yourself in front of a green screen? Is that what you're trying to do? You know, I could go on and on all day about the things I don't like about this whole setup here. But I've totally invented them. And it doesn't matter because your neocortex knows, ah, you're like laughing, that doesn't matter. But the limbic system feels like, ugh, I want to get out of here. It doesn't feel good, right? Two different brains, you're talking, it, like you said, you can't, you can't hear a knot. It's the limbic system that can't hear the knot. All it can hear is something very simple. It's like I have a person, they're looking at me, they have a bad look on their face, and they're like, uh, 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 don't like it, don't like it. So that's it just keeps track of feedback ratios based on really rudimentary concepts and like it or don't like it. So same thing. I, uh, 
if I go and I'm like, oh, you want to be cool, calm, and collected? Do you want to be running? Do you want to be cutting up carrots every day and, and salary? Um, even though you know, I don't know if you do that stuff. Hey, the other day I saw you doing these things. It was great. I really appreciated how you uh, got in there. You just, you're a master slicer on those carrots. Uh, and, you know, look at how sweaty you are getting back from that run. Did you go an extra mile? Uh, you know, and I really do like this microphone a lot. It's, um, I, I like gold and I like the uh, logo there. I can't really see what it is, a little blurry, but I like the look of it. it looks pretty cool. Uh, I mean, I could just go on and on about just made up things. And then suddenly you feel like, oh, yeah, great. Mm. And so you can try this with your friends. Try it. Like give, give a whole bunch of negative compliments or sorry, negative criticisms. Use negative tonality, negative look in your face. Just make them up. And you'll see that it's two different brands. And you can see, watch it affecting both differently simultaneously. And when you do it in succession, you really feel it. That's great. I think just looking in the mirror and trying it yourself. I'm sure if we ran back this video, you would see when I was smiling when you were complimenting me just because I was getting positive feedback regardless of what you were saying. Yeah. And when Could you, you feel it? Could you feel it when I was doing that? Oh, for sure. And then once you started going yeah. down your, your negative Nancy talk, uh, I might have been smiling because I was laughing towards the end when it right. got ridiculous. But yeah, totally, sure. totally. My limbic yeah. system was was on to what you were doing there, Casey. So yeah. yeah, so your your neocortex might know it, but it doesn't matter. Your limbic system, like you said, can't figure out not it can't figure out your limbic system can't figure out that I I don't don't like you. <laughs> right? Yes, if I, say, I don't don't like you. I'm saying I like you Your limbic system, but it doesn't hear that at all. It just says, maybe it hears I like you because it's all it doesn't hear the don'ts. But anyway, that's just a little primer. Um, some of the other things I must shamelessly plug my, my startup uh, Upstock because that's what I'm working on, and my, my team would not be happy if I wasn't doing that. Uh, I need to make sure we're getting that out there. And you know, Upstock being about uh, Fortune 1000 equity, uh, and you get to you get to get the equity that Fortune 1000s are using, and it creates alignment so that if you have a start anything from a startup, even if you're pre-formation, all the way up to hundreds of employees. Your leadership becomes that much more potent, that much more powerful when people people can believe you when they know you're aligned. Like if they know that you have the similar similar financial incentives or the same ones, then when you say as a leader, let's charge up that hill, people are like, yeah, let's charge that, let's charge up the hill. I believe what you're saying, but if they're not sure if you're really in it for that with them in the same way, you say charge up the, the hill, and they look at each other and be like, hmm, what is what is what's really going on here? And so your leadership is is quite diminished. So. Uh, equity is one of the best ways you can create alignment, uh, really powerful. Not only the, the money part of it, but just the, the alignment signal it sends uh, that you care and everybody's in it together. So I uh, can't, I just super excited to bring this to the world so that startup founders and startup workers and uh, company people and companies that are suffering with stock options can not suffer anymore. And people can work together and like see, see, solve some of the problems that we need to solve in this world before short, before it's too late, so to speak, you know, if, you're, if you're one of those thinkers. so that, That's great, Casey. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, we will, again, link that up, uh, Upstock on under30co.com because thank we have you. definitely a lot of uh, startup, small business people listening in on that, our travelers, Sweet. of course. Uh, at under 30 experiences most likely already are aware of couch surfing and you've built a worldwide uh, network through trust so yep. there's nobody better to to take these oh, lessons from team, than you yes please my, my team wants to make make sure that i say uh if you want to get a 2019 equity update like what's the equity guide where's equity going in 2019 of stock.io slash podcast so 
All right. We'll we'll link it up. Not to worry. Casey, where can people find you uh, online uh, and get in touch with you and in, involved yeah, in your you community? Can get me up on Facebook. It's best to go to CaseyFenton.com and just set up for my email. So every once in a while, like when I'm like, oh, I'm going to send out my book, then I'll send you an email uh, or something. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, Casey, sure. thanks for being on. I really appreciate your time. Appreciate your time so much. Enjoy Iceland. Yes. Uh, thank you. Podcast listeners, thank you. I know I mentioned Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, but don't forget Giving Tuesday. Uh, When we travel, we try to give back to the places where we operate as best as possible, supporting the local economies, having a real connection with the local people, trying to get involved with organizations who know what the local communities need and how we can support. And uh, this Giving Tuesday, I know it's a tough economic time for a whole lot of people. So even if it's just giving to friend or family, I'm not talking about monetary you know, donations and that, but it's, uh, yeah, do something nice for, for somebody else. And it doesn't have to be on Giving Tuesday, of course. And uh, you might have seen over on my Instagram, Matt Wilson TV, or my Twitter, also Matt Wilson TV, uh, that I put up a post uh, about my dad who passed away this year from progressive supernuclear palsy, a really horrible disease uh, known as PSP, a neurodegenerative disease. If you've listened to a lot of episodes of the Live Different podcast, uh, where we talk a whole lot about health, especially brain health, uh, meditation, etc. Yeah, you'll know this is something that he struggled struggled with for the past five years. And um, so, yes, I did a little post to raise awareness for a cure PSP. Uh, This disease is similar to Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, but it gets a lot less attention. And so try to raise awareness in the best way that I was uh, possible uh, for me and also made donation to Cure PSP. So if you are looking for a place to give, check that out um, over on my Instagram at Wilson TV or Twitter. Uh, Thank you guys so much. Go out there and make the world a better place.